Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, it's time for another edition of the Penn State Lits podcast. I'm looking right at Greg Pickle. I'm Bob Flounders. We've got a lot to get to. We're going to talk about Penn State's big road test at Iowa, all the challenges that Kinnick Stadium presents. We're going to talk a lot about how Iowa may be able to perfectly match up with Penn State as an underdog in this one. Also, we're going to get to K.J. Hamler, Penn State's dynamic wideout return man, and how teams are covering him. What can Penn State do to take advantage of that coverage? And then we're going to close with the Penn State mailbag. Okay, let's talk. It's the Hawkeyes. They took one on the chin at Ann Arbor last week, only scored three points. But the teaser, the under, and the Hawkeyes up to 10. It was not easy, but it got there. You might as well brag now, because I think there were some picks that maybe didn't work out. Rutgers is on the no longer touch list now. It took two weeks, but they're there. But Iowa is kind of a different team at home. Penn State's a, a slight favorite, like about a field goal. It's a, no, it's up to four now. Three and a half. Yeah. Still a slight favorite, Greg. Come on. You're, you're interrupting my flow. Anyway, so the Hawkeyes have a history of surprising pretty good teams at home. You know exactly what you're going to get from Iowa, but sometimes they always find a way to knock teams off. You remember two years ago, um, Penn State lost a tough one to Ohio State at the Horseshoe. And Ohio State was feeling pretty good about itself. They went to Iowa City the next week and they just got trampled. I think it was 55-24. You just got to be careful with this Iowa team. They have some very good players. Mm-hmm. Still not sure about their quarterback, but when you when you look at this That's test, one way to put it. When you look at when you look at this test, obviously they've already run one impressively on the road, mm-hmm. 59 nothing against Maryland, but this is kind of a different animal. It certainly is. I think I'm viewing this game differently though because the last time Penn State went to Kinnick, it didn't have a win like that on its resume already. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and as we're of course we're talking about the blowout down at Maryland. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's Penn State it's just, it's a weird vibe this week to me because I feel like a lot of fans are overlooking this trip because of what Iowa did at Michigan right. and what Penn State's done the first uh, five weeks uh, that they've played out of six in the college football season. So I don't know if this Iowa team, though, is as good as some of the ones we've seen Penn State go out there right. and face. I think the game plan that Penn State rolled out against Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett can work again this weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't remember back in 2017 that when that trip you know, was going on. I don't know if you felt good enough about Penn State being able to do uh, what it can do uh, to this Iowa offense. And that's just make Nate Stanley, who I know is one of your favorite Big Ten quarterbacks. Yes. Do he's what in, he's, he's, he's in my top 14. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he might not even make that. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, you have to make him throw. P- yeah. Michigan just showed how to do it. The yeah. only difference is Penn State knows how to put points on the board. Michigan did not. Are we overvaluing Penn State's start and undervaluing what Iowa is based off a of recency bias? The game against Michigan, yeah. probably. But uh, this is a, it's a tough test out there, no doubt. They'll be sold out. It'll be loud. It'll be noisy. They're going to have to start fast like they did at Maryland. To your point, this is a Penn State team that's already won on the road. I would just say, and this is not being devil's advocate, it took a magnificent effort from Saquon Barkley in that game in 2017. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. Like all the stuff he he did at Penn State, the run in the Rose Bowl against USC, 
That game, he sent the Penn State single game total yardage mark. I think he ran for over 200 yards, caught 12 passes for like 90 yards, jumped over a guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if he doesn't do any of that, if he misses out on one of those plays, they probably lose that game and they still needed the last play of the game and a very unlikely drive to do it. So I just think that Iowa is going to be tough. And I know that this team might be a, more, a little bit more balanced yeah. than maybe that 2017 team. That team had some great individual players and it was a very good team. This is a younger team, though, that's deeper. I think they're definitely deeper. It's going to be real interesting to see if, if, if how Penn State can start. We could talk about that a little later, Greg. But before we move on, I thought maybe we should just touch upon uh, we were in State College on Tuesday. Yep. Penn State's got a really talented young safety named Jonathan Sutherland, redshirt sophomore, doesn't always start, plays a lot, great on special teams, a very popular player on the Lions team, mm-hmm. well thought of in every circle. He got some he got some pretty aggressive uh, mail from a Penn State grad and a Penn State fan. Yep. Critical of his appearance. It, it made the rounds on social media. James Franklin, very emotional in the statement he gave, kind of just defending yep. uh, Sutherland and talking about what his program's all about. My question just is, do you sense any kind of impact at all on the Penn State team early in the week with the Iowa game uh, approaching? I would say if there is any, it's only positive at yeah. this point. I think it brings them together. I think there's a little bit more close. This is a pretty tight-knit group to yeah. begin with, so I'm not really sure how much tighter the, the ball could be wound, if that makes sense. But I thought it was a defining moment for the Franklin era. I really did. I mean, it, that that was about as strong of a statement as I think uh, we've heard him mm. deliver on any topic. Right. Obviously, former players, current players, others came out in defense of Jonathan Sutherland and with good reason. I mean, it goes back to the elementary thought. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. And further than that, there's no real good reason to tweet at players, to to tweet at coaches, to right. send letters to them, to send emails to them. If you have something nice to say, go ahead. But you know, I, I just the whole thing was uh, regrettable, I, I think is the word to use. But in terms of it's one word to use anyway, but in mm-hmm. terms of moving forward, I, I just don't see this being a distraction for this team. If, if we know anything yeah. about James Franklin, it's one to know, one to know, one to know, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. That has helped him get through a lot of on field issues, off field distractions, whatever you want right. to call it. So I don't see it being a, a problem heading yeah. into Iowa City. I agree with you for sure. And I, I do think. Uh, the players they made available, Will Fries and Micah Parsons, were asked about it. I thought that the way that they handled it and addressed it, and it looks like this is something they're going to move forward off of this. I think they handled it very well. Yeah, a lot of young players on that team. I was impressed all the way around the way that the Penn State program has kind of handled business the last 24 to 36 hours. Let's talk about a couple of days from now as we talk about the Iowa game. You mentioned up to four, opened at three. When I look at this Iowa team, and I know that they did not play well against Michigan and the 10-3 loss, the eight sacks, they just didn't get anything done on offense. As the Big Ten season has unfolded, I think it's pretty clear that as well as Penn State started, everyone's chasing Ohio State. That win at Nebraska a couple weeks ago was about as impressive of a win as I think as you can see in that environment. Yep. And then they had they came back the next week, slow start against Michigan State, but they still put them away, and that's a pretty good defense. I think they're clearly whoever one's gunning yeah, for. Yeah, they're the class of the Big Ten. Um, but sure. when I look at what Penn State's facing with Iowa, I'm just wondering if, you know, sometimes the game comes down to key matchups. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering what happens in this game if what Penn State does really well so far this year, when I'm talking about rushing the passer and obviously scoring points on offense, what happens if Iowa can take a lot of that away because of the matchups? There's Penn State's two defensive ends have been terrific early in the season. Shaka Tony and Etor Gross Matos, 
Iowa has a couple of NFL caliber tackles right on the right and left side. Tristan Wirfs on the right side. Alaric Jackson is on the left side. He made his first appearance against Michigan after hurting his knee in the opener. He didn't look like it was quite 100%, and that's not a great place to kind of come, come off an injury, and he, he took his lumps. But those two matchups, I think, in the game, if – Iowa and that crowd can kind of get the better of that matchup. It could really be a problem for Penn State. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think if Ricky Ronnie was ever going to break out the quick passing game, you know, we've seen them throw some screens at teams the yeah. last two weeks. We've seen them try to get KJ Hamler involved more over the middle, Jahan Dotson as well. Right. If there's a week to do it and try and neutralize that defensive line, it's this week because Epinesa is a problem. Yeah, AJ Epinesa, right? The, the guys you just mentioned are problems. I mean, it, it, you know, James Franklin mentioned Geno Stone, the safety yeah. defensive back, who's very good. But the, I don't think Iowa necessarily scares you over the middle. I mean, they got other, mm-hmm. it's an Iowa team. They have right. good, solid linebackers, but I don't think any of them scare you mm-hmm. like some guys have there in the past. So to me, I, I think if you flip the matchup on its head a little bit and you try and get the, the quick passing game going right. to neutralize them. And then, you know, we saw the, that you can. You can pressure this Iowa team, but to me, it comes right. down to the run defense has bottled up uh, right. Anthony McFarland mm-hmm. and some other good rushers. I know Buffalo got the better of them for yeah. three quarters, but to me, if you can stop the run, it makes Nate Stanley throw. He threw three interceptions mm-hmm. against Michigan. Michigan didn't turn those into game deciding uh, scoring drives. Penn State can. I think that is. Maybe the biggest key of all is that once you make Stanley throw yeah. from there, you got to make those turnovers hurt because they're going to come. Yeah. You know, they're going to come at some point. If ever there was a time for Penn State to take advantage of its two 260 pound tight ends and put them both on the field, almost flanking the tackles at times when they want to do some things or help on those ends, if, if they felt like they needed help. Talking about Rashid Walker uh, going against Epineza. Mm-hmm. And the the other end, his name escapes me, but Penn State, James Franklin praised him. You put those two tight ends maybe by them as well and kind of maybe chip on them or help. I think that that is, a, that is a, a recipe, I think, for success for Penn State would help them run the ball. But they could also use those guys as targets in the passing game. Nick yeah. Bowers is really coming on the last couple of games. Yeah, well, you know, Pat Fryermuth has been almost – yeah, nowhere to be found, which is not something I would have predicted coming into this. Season. Yeah, yeah, and but I do. He did get a touchdown last week, and right. I, I do think as the Big Ten season unfolds, I think he's going to become more of a weapon. But I, I do think that their tight ends are all, they're built like offensive tackles. So I do think if early in the game Epinesa is getting loose, I think that's one way to kind of slow him down. I think it's really going to be a game at scrimmage where Penn State's either going to have to hold its own or get the better of these guys because it is a tough environment. The noise is going to be a factor. And I just think that Iowa team you saw at Michigan, I don't think you're going to quite see that Iowa team at home. They are challenged to score points, but it's one of those pace games. If they can keep the game in the low 20s, much like they did two years ago, it's going to go down to the wire. Yeah, no question. And, you know, we'll get into this in a second, but I think K.J. Hamler can obviously play a big role in this game, too, and what Penn State does to get him in the space. Before we get to that, you're listening to the podcast, the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast. Like, subscribe, rate, leave us feedback, kill my picks, tell us how much you won fading them. That's fine. Uh, You can do that on Apple, Google, Stitcher, wherever you get your Audio, if you're listening to the Penn State Blitz video, don't forget to subscribe. YouTube.com slash all Penn State. I got it this week, Bob. That was pretty close to perfect. Um, that was your best one to date. And uh, we're not, we're not, we're even, we're not even halfway through the season, so right. don't, just don't peak too early. Right. Um, you talked about KJ Hamler. Uh, James Franklin was asked about him. He's such a dynamic player. I think with Rondale Moore of Purdue not playing right now, he's about as dangerous a player, I think, as there is 
on the offensive side of the ball in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. He had a huge night against Maryland a couple of weeks ago. I think he caught the first touchdown pass of the game against Purdue. They tweaked their coverages a little bit, and James kind of acknowledged, like, they're going to double him in obvious situations. It might not be apparent pre-snap, but they're going to have two guys traveling with KJ. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he basically said it's up to us to take advantage of when they commit the extra defender to him in the passing game. How do we take advantage of – open spaces somewhere else. Well, the Maryland game is a perfect example of one way you do that with him, and that's send him across the middle. James Franklin, one of the interesting things he said this week was that they're seeing teams not double-team hit at scrimmage like they right. would a gunner on a punt, but they're doing it with levels. So how do you avoid that? You never let him get to the second level, and you send him across the middle. If he beats his guy at the line of scrimmage, which he's going to do yeah. more often than not on those routes, he gets off his guy and gets open over the middle – And then he just runs and it worked to perfection against Maryland. So more of that would be good. I think beyond that, Bob, it's a chance to get the running backs involved in the passing game, especially if like what you said, if you're keeping your tight ends in, you can't have two tight ends in and your running back chipping because (laughs) you're not, you are not presenting numbers that work in your favor against any defense, let alone one that can make plays like Iowa's clearly can. So to me, I think it's a chance to get not only uh, the running backs more involved in the passing game, which we've seen a little bit of, maybe not a ton, but it's a chance to do that. And I think it's also obviously an opportunity for Jahan Dotson uh, and some of these other guys to get some run. We don't know if Justin Shorter will play. That's one thing we'll have to watch for this week after the targeting deal at Mm -hmm. Maryland forced him to miss Purdue. They could certainly use him back, but I just think that, you know, even a guy like Dan Chisetta, if they're going to bracket on the other side of the field, send him long. Maybe you get a pass interference like the Purdue game. Maybe not. But, you know, it is a situation where I think we've talked about it before that they have not been great at times about when teams take their weakness away, exploiting right. the other team's weaknesses that come about it. Yeah, and James talked earlier in the year about in-game adjustments and them not coming fast enough on the Penn State side. They said they, he has to right. get better at it. I do think a two-tight end set is probably something you will see more of than you're, you're used to if you're a Penn State. And I just want to be fair to the Penn State offensive line. I mentioned Rasheed Walker and Will Fries. They they played well. Yeah. They played very well, especially the last two weeks. But the challenge that they're facing on the road with the noise, Epinesa is viewed almost as a better prospect, I think, at this point than Etor Gross Matos. Mm-hmm. That is a tough ask of a redshirt freshman left tackle. He'll be making a sixth start just to handle him one-on-one. It just, you know, no one really can. So he's going to need some help at some point. But he still has played well, and I think Fries has played well too. Although, but they're they're going to be tested, and there are going to be times where Penn State, in obvious I think passing situations, they're going to have to give them a little help because they can wreck the game and on one player they can turn momentum in one play, and, and on the road that's a big deal. You do not want to get this crowd. You know they're going to be they're going to be pretty juiced up to begin with. You don't want to get them you know stomping their feet. Is it mailbag time? It finally is mailbag time. I can't wait. I know you have some good questions for me. Yeah. Do you have any was, strong comments for me or anything? Any is it is this going to be all questions? I think it'll just be questions, but we'll see. There might be a statement or two. Let's start with true or false. This kind of plays off of what you were just talking about. But true or false, this is the first game this year where Penn State's four and five star recruiting edge. It's been developed over teams like Iowa over mm-hmm. the last two, three, four recruiting cycles. It has to show. You talk about Rashid Walker, former four star. Look around the Big Ten, look around the country. There's former four and five star offensive linemen making big impacts like Rashid Walker has so far this year. They also have some other very talented guys, five star Justin Shorter, a bunch of four and five stars in the backfield. To me, Bob, it's true that this game is one where 
if you're going to win it on the road, you need your your roster talent advantage, which Penn State clearly has to shine through. Where do you stand on that, true or false? I love how you asked me the true and false question, then and you, then just, you it? essentially yeah. answered it. But right. that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, you, your 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 knowledge is impressive. I agree. It's a true. I think that Penn State is the more talented team. I'm positive they're the deeper team, but that has to show itself on the road because you know. People have their opinions on what home field means. I think it depends on where the game is. I think at Beaver Stadium, most games, I think that is worth 10 points to Penn State. I really do. And I think when you go, when I was at home, I think it's at least a touchdown advantage for Iowa. I, I really think that's the gap you have. That's the gap you're trying to close. Mm-hmm. And that's the gap that you have to deal with. I agree with you on the recruiting. I would say, though, that I, there are a few teams in the country better at developing two and three stars into four star kids. I don't even think AJ Epinesa was a big time recruit. I could be wrong about that. I don't remember him at the time he was brought to Iowa, but they're very good at developing players. And they got a lot of players in the NFL. They got a Pennsylvania kid out of Pennsylvania, Geno stone who had the pick six last year against trace. And James mentioned, it's tough to see kids in Pennsylvania do well for other teams in the big 10, but Every once in a while, they slip through the cracks. He's in another developmental kid, I think from Newcastle. That's right. PA, Newcastle High School. But I would say true. It's a, it's a lean towards true. Okay. Put yourself in James Franklin's shoes for a second. You send your captains out for the coin toss. You'll win the toss. Mm-hmm. Do you want to put your offense on the field and try and quiet that crowd down immediately? Or do you want to put your defense out there? Let Jordan Stout kick it mm-hmm. through the end zone, presumably. And then you let your defense set the tone for how the night's going to go. Assuming there's no wind, and you—it's t- supposed to be very you windy. About, you yes. talked about the fact it might be windy. Yes. If there's no wind, there's no wind. I'm going to defer. I'm going to put my defense out on the field. If there's a lot of wind, I might I might choose to be on the right side of that wind and try and start fast against uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Your weather report to me tells me there's going to be wind. I want the wind to start the game. Yeah, there you go. It's going to be gusty, supposedly in Iowa City, a little bit chilly. So we'll have to wait and see. It could be gusty Friday in Iowa City, too. We get out there pretty early, and I heard a couple of your buddies are coming out. It might be getting a little gusty around happy hour on Friday in Iowa City. That's my early weather report. Okay, there you have it. So if you're listening to the Penn State video (laughs) blitz, we're moving on to our second video. It's Picks and Predictions on YouTube.com slash all Penn State. If you're listening on the podcast, we'll be back to pick the game right after this break. Okay, we're back for Penn State picks and predictions here on Penn State's The Blitz. We got Iowa and Penn State out at Kinnick Stadium. Penn State's a slight favorite. Anything could happen out there. Wild game two years ago. Penn State won on the final play. Greg, will it happen again? Well, I look at this match, Ben. It's really interesting to see the line move the way it has. Penn State was an underdog in this game earlier uh, in the summer when the game of the year lines came out. They were minus two or minus three. Penn State's now trading at minus four. Mm-hmm. So clearly, oddsmakers and the betting public have done two things. Number one, they changed their mind greatly about how they feel Iowa uh, has performed so far this season. I think they've upgraded Penn State a little bit because if Penn State's minus four at Kinnick, where I have to think I was getting at least four points of of home field advantage for how tough that place is to yeah. play in, then that means that you know Penn State would probably be laying a touchdown at Beaver Stadium, and I, I think it's an interesting game. Nate Stanley, I think both of us have been pretty clear we don't care for his style of play, but this is a young team that has the Maryland win on its resume, but still we need to see more from what it will do on the road against top twenty five opponents. I think it might be ugly to start, but I think Penn State eventually the talent difference kicks away in the end. I have it Lions 31, Iowa 12. 
Ooh, that's a very, very specific score for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I figured why not. Let's see if we can hit it. Just the wind or maybe a missed extra point in the wind. Who knows? My whole theory about the, the change in the point spread, a lot of what you said makes sense. I just think that some smart people looked at the second half of last year's Penn State-Iowa game at Beaver Stadium when uh, Stanley just did not get the job done. He threw for 205 yards. I think he needed 49 attempts. He had two first-round picks at tight end on that team mm-hmm. that are doing damage in the NFL right now, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Font. And he couldn't hit any of them. He just missed them. He, I mean, he couldn't hit the broad side of a boat. It was that bad. I know that he is well-regarded. I know he's a big quarterback with a strong arm. And there were times when he does make throws. He, didn't, he really hasn't made very many the last two years against Penn State. He didn't do that much in the 2017 game either. I think Penn State has the advantage at quarterback. I picked Penn State to lose to Iowa at the start of the season as part of my 9-3 and three pick. I am now... Because of Stanley and his effort against Michigan and me remembering the horror show that was the second half last year by him, Penn State's 30 to 20. I now have to flip-flop, a la David Jones. It's Penn State 24, Iowa 17. They can't score enough to beat Penn State. If they had a better quarterback, I think they would win the game. I really do. But I think Penn State's got the edge at quarterback. So you have an under and you have a Penn State cover. I have the over and a Penn State cover because the line dropped from the total was dropped from 44 to 41 and a half. Mm -hmm. And it continues to fall as the forecast continues to get worse in Iowa City for the weekend. So keep that in mind. Big 10 picks. Illinois getting 22 at home against Michigan. How did you do last week? Just how did you do last week? Iowa, Iowa good. Rutgers bad. And, and what there about was one additional one? You, that I what was don't your Penn remember. State call? Uh, that was also not correct. Forty to ten, so it wasn't too far off. Yeah, so you had that. You had the cover. Yeah, and you had the under. Yes, that's so, right. So, Greg, that's actually called really good. Yeah, it was okay. Okay, we, we're gonna need to we're gonna need to get you to remember things a little bit more clearly. Illinois plus twenty one. Yep. Now it's up to twenty two and a half. Give me all the points I can with that Michigan offense. Um, they're just gonna run the clock out mm-hmm. and wait for the Penn State game. Look ahead spot for them. And the other one is Houston getting a seven and a half at home against Cincinnati, fresh off that UCF win. Bad spot, sandwich spot. So there you have it. How hard is it for you to not pick a game with Rutgers in it right now? Just admit it. You'd love to pick them. Indiana's laying 25 in Bloomington. It's going to be, I think it's a noon start. Doesn't matter what time the game starts. Rutgers won't show up with any energy pace or otherwise. 24 17 Penn State for me, Robert Flounders. And you have who? Uh, Penn State 31, Iowa. Is is, is there a safety involved or is it four field goals? It's Iowa Penn State. You just never know how they're going to get there. Also, I just want to give a special shout out to the older Penn State fan base. This is the 15 year anniversary of Penn State's 6 4 loss to Iowa at Beaver Stadium. Two field goals for Iowa. Two safeties for Penn State. It was the most troubling game I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a lower scoring game. It's almost mathematically impossible to do that now. 15 years ago, though, these two teams met and played, and the final score was 6-4. Just want to give a special shout-out to the Penn State fan base, who probably does not want to remember that score, but I'm making them remember that score.